0: Welcome to episode 33 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. I am your host, Steven Stiles, and so much and so many things to talk about. Nothing more important, though, than the trade and trade deadline of players as it's approaching. Unfortunately, injuries have and continue to play a major role piece in what happens during this trading season. Certainly for the Montreal Canadiens as they lead the way, I think with probably more injuries once again and will likely set a record again for most man games lost in the season, which every team loves to be able to set records but not necessarily those kind. Anyways, in addition to all the injuries in Montreal, there's also injuries plaguing the rest of the NHL. It just seems to be a season that injuries have nothing to do with a few games. They're like half a season, season ending. The injuries injuries just seem to be more disabling for a longer period of time. They just seem to be, when a player gets injured these days, it's nothing short-term. Everybody's being put on LTIR, everybody's being put on long-term injury lists. It just, it's insane. It really makes one wonder if all those years ago when teams like San Jose and the Dallas Stars and other teams broke into the league, if the league should have gone to a wider ice surface. Not that 15 feet, which is the difference between the pro NHL ranks of the international ranks seems like that much of a difference but there just seems to be a lot less injuries on the larger ice surface and as the players have gotten bigger stronger and faster maybe that would have made the difference who knows it's at this point it's kind of a guess but you just have to wonder if it would in any way help minimize or at least reduce the amount of not only injuries but significant season impacting injuries that are now occurring in the national hockey league so with all that said a couple of players have returned Evgeny Denadov Jonathan Duran and have been, along with Mike Hoffman, playing their best hockey of the season at this point. So hopefully that helps, although there's only a week between now and when the trading deadline ends. Hopefully that helps the Montreal Canadiens leverage them or their improved play will bring back more to the Montreal Canadiens. I think something that's going to shape or make this trade season a little bit differently is it will truly be teams in position, what their likelihood of going deep into the playoffs are, and what the right pieces are that they need and who has those right pieces for them. And I think the teams that have those pieces leveraging, conversely, those players or pieces with those specific teams. I think it's going to be a very systematic, almost puzzle type of trade season. I don't think it's going to be nearly as wide open as a lot of them have been in the past. So with that said, maybe one has to wonder if teams like Las Vegas and Dallas might be the perfect fits for a player like Sean Monahan. They need centers, they're both going to make the playoffs, they have injuries, certainly not to the extent that the Canadians do, but they also, because of how well they've played, might be willing to give Ken Hughes that third pick in the 2023 draft in the first round that he's been looking for and wants. So those teams versus maybe a team further up that's going to get a higher draft pick in the top 10 might not be as likely as trading their draft picks in the first round as other teams might. So the question is, would Las Vegas or Dallas be willing to give Montreal a first round pick for center Sean Monaghan? Another interesting player that could draw a first round pick from certain teams might be Christian Dvorak. He might be able to be traded to a Dallas who wants a center, specifically wants a defense, center or to the Minnesota Wild. Those could be two teams that that deal could bring back a first round pick to the Montreal Canadiens. Now, the one interesting high first round pick, like could be potentially a top five or top eight pick, with John Tortorella's desire to have Josh Anderson back in the fold because he loved that player when he was in the Columbus organization, that would be interesting if Montreal could negotiate or navigate a trade with the Philadelphia Flyers for their first round pick. That would involve Josh Anderson. Now, if you're going to get a top 10 pick for Josh Anderson, I know a lot of people think he should stay in Montreal. I know he's that rare blend of talent that people have looked at. I know Ken Hughes is not, at least it was what's being said publicly, interested in trading him, but interests can be changed based on how high of a draft pick that could actually be for him. With a totally different player involved, I still say Caden Primo is the player to trade to Philadelphia or New Jersey, whether it's part of something or whether it's an individual trade, I think they can leverage Caden Primo to one of those two teams because of where he's from. I think that gives Montreal a leg up. And those two organizations are looking for a younger goaltender and maybe they can bring the best out of him that seems to have just disappeared with his time with Montreal. I mean, when he first came out of Northeastern, he looked really solid. He was having great seasons there, showed a lot of promise in Montreal. And unfortunately, everything has just gone in the wrong direction since. And that's unfortunate because I wish Caden Primo the best of luck. I really do. Back to Jonathan Duran and Evgeny Donatov, those are two players, once again, that are going to have to be leveraged to bring back the best possible value in trade assets. One has to wonder if teams like Washington, who's all in, because let's be honest, Ovechkin isn't getting any younger these days. Not that he's too old, not that there's any conversation of him going anywhere, but they need to take advantage of their time now. Kind of similar like Pittsburgh with Sidney Crosby. He's not getting any younger, so if you're going to make another run at it, if you will, with one of those types of players, now is kind of the time to do that. But in Washington's case, could they use a Evgeny Donatov? Or Jonathan Duran. Washington needs more goal scorers. And one thing that's interesting with Washington is this also might be a place for Joel Edmondson or David Savard because all but two players on their defense are all unrestricted free agents this year. They will have very little defense left. These players could fill in short term because they'll both have a year left into next year. So it kind of gives Washington some flexibility on defense. So that might be an option where you might be able to score some higher round draft. Picks. Whether it's a first round pick for Joel Edmondson still at this point, unfortunately, again, we're back to the injury situation. Last year he missed all but 24 games. This year he's gonna play more than 24, but still not the whole season. He has had some significant injuries, and that has got to be a concern, both from teams looking at a defensive need that they're trying to pick up from another team, and for Montreal as far as what can we still get for this guy. He's a great veteran defenseman. He's a great defenseman to have around for younger players prospects. He'll be great for somebody for younger players to learn from, but at the same time he's got to be able to stay healthy and in the lineup. And that's been a real problem for him. Now I know there's no trade talk on David Savard, but I just threw that in there as Washington is going to have a unique situation that they're going to have at least four spots open next year unless they resign any of their players. And it doesn't seem like they're gonna. It seems like Washington as player contracts end, there is a very specific group of players that they will sign and everybody else would just go away. So with Washington wanting to take advantage of Ovechkin's time and their time window, would a Jonathan Duran, Evgeny Donatoff, Mike Hoffman make sense here to load up Washington's offense to be able to be a higher power offense? Would that be an option? Would that make sense for the Washington Capitals at this point? Or in Jonathan Duran's case, is there something with the Colorado Avalanche because he played with Nathan McKinnon as a junior linemate, which we've talked about in past episodes, would there be a way to maybe obtain more for Jonathan Duran in that trade. And of course, Colorado's very successful team currently, so their draft picks are not as low as other organizations. They're kind of in the bottom third of the draft, kind of the 20 through 32 picks, so they may be more willing, like we talked about in the case of Vegas and Dallas, with Sean Monahan, they might be willing to give up their picks versus somebody picking in the top 10 or top 15 may want to hold on to those. Now, an asset or an existing player coming back to Montreal, there are still a lot of people that want to talk about Montreal needs to start acquiring assets. I disagree and we'll get to a whole bunch of talent that they've already had come into the organization and still have coming into the organization through the juniors and through the draft picks that they've made, so I don't think that's a necessity in any way, shape, or form. We'll get back to that. But a trade that might make sense for Montreal is with the New York Rangers. You might be able to send a Matthias Norlander or a Jacob Olivsen prospect to the New York Rangers for right wing prospect Vitelli Kratzoff. That might make sense. And at this point, the New York Rangers seem to be willing to part with him. He was a draft pick that Jeff Gordon selected when he was with the Rangers. He's 21 years old. He might be able to be a project that Martin St. Louis could turn into a very significant, productive forward on the top six because he has a lot of talent it just hasn't worked out for him in New York for whatever reasons either he's not getting enough minutes he's not being paired with the right players whatever that might be now as for getting rid of players like defenseman Chris Weidman winger Joel Armia that's going to have to be the perfect storm meaning that somebody needs depth players somebody needs role players bottom six forward or bottom six five or six numbered defensemen that's going to have to be the right team at the right time those deals exist that's going to be something that's going to take a little bit more effort that way to be able to unload those players. There also seems to be renewed discussion of how Montreal might need to acquire a defenseman. Has everybody forgotten that Jonathan Kovacevic, Arbor Jacki, Caden Gooley, Jordan Harris and Justin Barron have claimed five of the six starting spots on the defense. They've not only played far better than ever anticipated, not only did the three rookies make the team right out of training camp like nobody thought they would virtually other than us on this podcast, they have and they've succeeded really well. They have not only played well and far beyond expectations, they have taken their spots and claimed their spots on the starting defensive roster. That number went from three to five, with the latest addition being Justin Baran, who has played like he belongs in the National Hockey League. So that's five out of six spots. Add into that, you have Mike Matheson, who's played very well, has kind of taken a leadership role, is a very fluid skater. For all the people that thought Montreal did not get even trade value in the Jeff Petrie trade, earlier this year and that they lost out on that trade Montreal scored big on that trade he's younger he's more fluid he's a Truly transitional defenseman. He's a great first pass defenseman. He's got good offensive instincts. So, right there's your six spots. In addition to that, shortly you will have the competition of Lane Hudson, Adam Ingstrom, Jaden Struble, William Trudeau, and Logan Mylou. At the very least, that's just with existing talent between juniors, Europe, and the AHL at the moment. Who do they need to acquire? What defenseman in the league are people going, oh, we got to have that guy? Got to have him. I mean, other than Cal Makaroff. I don't think Colorado is going to be trading Cal Makarov to anybody for anything. I mean, he's a phenomenal defenseman. Other than him, who else is there defensively in the league that people want Montreal to acquire? Although the 2023 draft is really deep, it's more deep in the offensive talent than the defensive talent, at least to me. I'll even say it's equally as deep in the goaltending talent as the defensive talent is. Not picking on defensemen, not saying there's no good candidate worth drafting in the 2023 draft, but let's be honest here. Montreal is loaded with defensive talent in the organization. And five out of six of them came to Montreal this year and took starting defensive spots. And in reality, they're not going to give it up anytime soon. They're all young, talented, wanting to learn, kind of like soaking things up like a sponge, playing very, very well and well beyond their years. One of them, in particular, Arbor Jacki, has been from the beginning of the year, my vote as the rookie of the year for the team my vote as the MVP for the team. It was very unfortunate to see him get injured, as it was all the other rookies and all the other players involved, because you'd never want to see that happen to anybody at any time in their career. But I think Arbor guy even with his injury, made an impact in the NHL and on his roster this year that warrants him being a finalist for Rookie of the Year. Now, if he doesn't play any more games this year, it's going to be hard to give Rookie of the Year to a player that's been out a significant number of games. That being said, had he played all year, he would have definitely been my choice, an overwhelming vote for League Rookie of the Year. And I know some people are going to go, wow, really? You're kidding me. That guy has done everything and more. And it doesn't have to be about the highest point total that so many awards have seemed to be driven towards being awarded to certain players for. That's not the only thing that counts. Now, let's look at the team offensively. You have already got Nick Suzuki, newly named captain as well this year in his first year of that role. You've got Cole Caulfield, who many people doubted last year. He's kind of just like a random success. He's not going to maintain that or be sustainable. Obviously, those people were wrong. Cole Caulfield is, without a doubt, one of the top snipers in the league and could very well finally be something that Montreal has not seen since the likes of Guy LaFleur with that incredible shot that LaFleur had with that flying hair as he raced down the ice. Players wear helmets today, so you're not going to get the flying hair thing. But there's some similar there in offensive talent. Cole Caulfield is a hell of an offensive player. Cole Caulfield is going to, I think, have the possibility to position himself and finally update that amazing book of records by player achievements that Montreal has had and always has, but his name will be added to that. You have Kirby Doc, a person that most people said, oh my God, why did we waste a young defenseman and draft pick getting him in the 2022 NHL entry draft? Well, it looks like once again, Ken Hughes, and Jeff Gordon knew more than people thought they knew. And that's another couple of people that people like to continue to doubt as far as their abilities. I think they've proven themselves to be the best management that the Montreal Canadiens have had since Sam Pollock. That's a big space and time, but these guys are doing it right. There's no question about that. Then, of course, you have Jurev Savkowski, again, another one of the great younger players that are already there, was really coming into his own. And unfortunately, like Arbor Jackkeye, like Caden Gooley, and so many others, got his this season shortened, which is unfortunate because I think he was really starting to turn a big corner versus some of the subtle improvements that he had made throughout the year. Rafael Harvey Pernard has been called up from Laval in the AHL and has not looked out of place for a second since he's been called up. That has to be both inspirational as well as just fantastic to finally see yet another player come out of the hl that's been ready hasn't looked out of place and is ready to play for the canadians those are all young players you already have there in the very near future like next season potentially with some or many of these players you have sean farrell joshua roy owen beck riley kidney philip massar That is an incredible amount of talent. And then in third or fourth line players, some players that I haven't even mentioned yet, Alex Bazil, Rem Pitlick, Jake Evans, and Michael Bezetta. You've got a lot of spots already filled on the roster. There's only 12 spots. If somebody said to me, oh, well, there's other players that Montreal should acquire, the only two players that literally anybody in the Canadiens organization or on their current roster that I would be willing to trade any one player, no exceptions to the rule, would either be for Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl. Other than that, there's not another player in the league that I would trade for. And now we can include offense and defense. The only three players in the NHL that I would make a trade for, that I would sit there and go, oh, well, that would be an amazing improvement for the Canadiens roster. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Cal McCarr. That's it. Other than that, I'm not saying the rest of the players in the NHL are not worthy. I'm not saying they're not good players. There's fantastic players in the NHL, but those are the only three that I'd trade for. The one position that does require conversation is goaltending in the organization. Now, that said, everybody has to be impressed with Sam Maltebo. He has not only proven he's an NHL goaltender, he has taken over the number one goaltending responsibilities in Montreal this year and looked good. Not just taking them over because he wants to or because he's been the only one that's been consistently healthy. He has actively gone after it and taken control of the number one goaltending job. His numbers, though, most people say, well, look at his save percentage look at the team he's played on look at some of the nights that he's received support and a lot of nights that he hasn't he has proven himself and right now has got to be the bargain of contracts on that team right now which unfortunately was only a two-year contract so at the end of next season probably going to be up for another contract and he might not come so cheap at that point unfortunately for Jake Allen Jake Allen similar to Joel Edmondson has just had two years that he'd probably rather forget. I mean, he loves being part of the team. He said he loves his role. He loves working with younger players, wants to be a part of this rebuild really bad. But unfortunately, his injuries have just been impactful. Let's put it that way. He's missed a lot of time and he hasn't looked himself. He hit. He looks like a goaltender or a player. He looks like a goaltender or a player that is just out of sync. He doesn't have the flow to his game or the consistency that he's capable of. And it's not his fault. It's not like his game has dropped off. It's the injuries that have gotten in the way. It's like a sputtering engine. You just sometimes you're on and sometimes you're not. And the injuries have just gotten in the way of that. So that brings us to where do the Canadians go from here in goaltending? By far, the best prospect in the organization has to be Jacob Dobbs, who's currently playing at Ohio State. Will he be one of those goaltenders that can come right from that level to the NHL? To be determined. Nobody knows that. He's put up impressive numbers for multiple seasons. He has all the characteristics. The height, size, everything that you look for in a goaltender. It remains to be seen if he can transfer that immediately to the NHL and not need time in the AHL. Most people say goaltenders always develop slower and need more time than any other position. There are exceptions to the rule. Maybe he'll be one of them. Meantime, one of the greatest depths of the 2023 draft is in goal. And everybody's like, well, you know, Dobbs was a fifth round pick. I mean, what's that going to do? Well, let's not forget a goaltender in the New York Rangers organization, in Henrik Lundquist, who was a seventh round. There's been good goaltenders drafted in late rounds or goaltenders like Ed Belfour, amongst others, that have been free agent signing. There's been a lot of good goaltenders. Goaltenders don't have to be drafted in the first round. Yes, there's been some dr- goaltenders drafted in the first round that have had phenomenal careers. We can't leave out to be current Carry Price on that. But there is also some goaltenders drafted in the first round that have been total busts. So it happens for a number of reasons. Sometimes they come up too early. Sometimes the game is so much faster than what they were used to. They looked great at a lower level than they did at the NHL. Lots of reasons. It's limitless. So that position is really the position if there's anyone that is maybe lacking competition, lacking as many prospects within, the position of goal is the position that would need to be addressed. And I still think Montreal, either with its existing draft picks as it already has, or Or if it acquires more in any of these trades or any off-season trades before the draft happens, Montreal can position itself very well to maybe go off the board a little bit in the draft or select a player that everybody's like, wow, why did you select him with that pick? Remember where they've selected some players recently, such as Matthias Norlander, such as Alex Romanoff? They selected him 38th overall in the second round a couple years ago. There were people that thought he was a legitimate 4th or 5th round draft choice, so you can score some incredible talent unexpectedly when you have flexibility with your draft selections or when you're willing to just take the chance and say, hey, we've got a lot of other positions taken care of. We have a lot of talent already in the organizations in those positions on the team. We're going to go in this direction. Now, of course, just to wrap up the trade part of these discussions for this episode is one discussion that will just not go away. Believe it or not, it still unfortunately remains a very hot and lively topic out there. And that is the acquisition of Pierre-Luc Dubois. Unfortunately, I think one of the big issues that keeps this a hot topic is people are looking no further than this is a local talent. He has to play for and be acquired by the Montreal Canadiens. There's some extending ramifications, if you will, or things to be concerned about. First of all, Why would I give up anything for somebody that I can acquire for free in the free agency market at the end of next season? And what is my position as my organization going to be? Will I be a Stanley Cup contender next year? Would he make the difference if you acquired him right now to turn Montreal into a contender next season? Because obviously this season, I think it's too late to, for that dream to occur. Because it would be a dream this year. I mean, it would be the ultimate, wow, if I could wish for anything, I'd love to see Montreal win the Stanley Cup this year. If they could do that this year, turn the season around with the current roster that they have, with all the injuries, that would be the ultimate achievement, I think, by any team in any sport in the history of the world. That fantasy aside, would he be enough, and when I say would he, would Pierre-Luc Dubois be enough to make the Canadians a legit Stanley Cup contender next year? To the point in which they win their division, they have the homeless advantage in their division, and they are a top four legitimate contender for the Stanley Cup. I couldn't answer yes to that if I had a gun pointed to my head. It's just going to take more than that. And the Canadians as an organization know that. So getting him prior to when he becomes a free agent, if he does become a free agent, which is the other issue, maybe the coaching staff change in Winnipeg makes him stay, changes his mind. But all that aside, for the sake of argument, let's say he becomes a free agent at the end of next season. If you want to go out and get him, get him get him. But even with that, you can't pay him more then you're paying Nick Suzuki or Cole Caulfield. It'll destroy the chemistry of the team. They're established core players of the team. He would not be. He's a new player coming in. That's one problem. Another problem is, once he gets there, is everybody going to go, oh my god, he's got to be named captain. Suzuki's got to be stripped of the captaincy. We got to have a local French Canadian captain. No, we don't. Montreal Canadiens don't have to have that. Nick Suzuki has been an outstanding captain in his first year. Probably the best captain that Montreal has had, ironically, since the last French-Canadian captain that the Montreal Canadiens have had, Suzuki's head is on straight. He gets it. He knows how to talk to the Montreal media. He is transparent with the Montreal media. He's friendly with the Montreal media. He's been nothing but perfect. That's another potential issue, though, that people will start talking about is how Pierre-Luc Dubois needs to be made the captain of the team. The other issue is, where does Dubois play? Suzuki's already established as the first center on the team. Kirby Doc is consistently establishing himself as the number two center. Is Pierre-Luc Dubois your third center? I I don't think he or a lot of people would be happy with that positioning. You can't take away those positions on the team from Suzuki or Doc and replace him in those spots or insert him into those roles. That wouldn't be good. That would destroy team chemistry. There'd be a lot of it to say attitude and discontent might be an understatement. And not just necessarily from Suzuki or Kirby Doc, but from everybody in the team. Now you're right back to the whole issue that you had with Patriarti, with Suban with Montreal management, all the players that have been interviewed and come out with things since then, like Gallagher's comments this year about that whole situation, that's not good. You destroy the locker room and now you've got other issues. And then of course, what do you do with all of that talent that I was already talking about earlier that's coming into the organization? What do you do with all those players? They suddenly have nowhere to go. There's no, there's suddenly no upward trajectory in the organization and players coming into organizations and players already in organizations always want to know a couple of things. Where do they fit? What position do they take care of? What do they own on the team that is their responsibility? Players don't want to have the uneasy feeling of, maybe I'll play tonight, maybe I won't, maybe I'll be in this role, maybe I'll be in that role. That's when players don't fit into organizations. That's when players don't play well. They don't know what's expected of them. So there's a lot to think about here. It's not just the acquisition of a player. It's how that player fits and how that player impacts the team. Another particular topic that just won't go away, is the people that have wanted to question, since Montreal's made all these changes, since they've brought in the new management, since they've brought in players that have been drafted and rookies that have made the club, and the number of them that have made the club at the pace that they have, people still want to question. People like Martin St. Louis, oh, he needs a veteran member to his staff. He's brand new. He might not know enough yet. Or they want to question Cole Caulfield like they did last year as far as like, he's not ready. He's just an aberration. He's just going to be a flash in the pan. Kirby Doc's acquisition at the... 2022 draft last year, when are people going to stop questioning this organization? When are people going to stop sitting there trying to second guess or play armchair quarterback, which is a useless thing to do? All of these people have displayed from the moment they've come into the organization far more knowledge and ability than these people that keep wanting to question them have. And not only more than those people have, but those people don't even have such a privilege to do in the first place. If you're not involved in the same position, same same job, same field of endeavor as somebody else and possess better skills in that specific area than they do, I'm not sure how that gives people the ability to think that they can question or challenge people it has been and remains exceptionally enjoyable and hilarious to watch on those issues, as well as going all the way back to the beginning of this season for the people that said, oh, there's no way. There's no way Montreal can start three rookie defensemen. They'll ruin their careers. They'll stunt their growth. Those players won't get the minutes that they need. And every time these people have been wrong. And it's great to watch them just have to eat crow on a continuous basis. But I'm just wondering when that's going to stop. I mean, how how many times does somebody have to be made to look really bad or proven wrong before they get the really blatant picture of that needs to cease? It's just amazing to watch these self-appointed authoritarian's pass judgment on and critique people that they know nothing about as they're continuing to do with prospects that have either just made the organization or are still coming through the pipeline of the organization and remain clueless about. But yet they continue to pass judgment on and render decisions as to What kind of career that they're not going to be stars, they're just going to be more average, lower tier players that the the Canadians have collected unlimited amounts of in the past. It's a different organization. It's a different team. Let them do their job. And I can't wait to see what Montreal does between now and the end of the trade deadline. And it's not going to be a reflection on Ken Hughes if there's very little movement. Like I said earlier, and like we've been talking about for several podcasts now, injuries have just decimated that organization and unfortunately prevented the canadians from being able to showcase all the players that we've talked about on this podcast and others have talked about that are either primary or potential trade targets to other organizations it's just limited the canadians ability to be able to showcase them and that's not the fault of the management the coaching staff call it murphy's law it happens at the worst possible time that something can and that's exactly what these injuries have done so i would love to see montreal cash in on a lot of additional draft picks because the current team has shown their ability to utilize those assets and bring exceptional prospects to the organization. But unfortunately, it's going to be a really tight window to get these players enough time to be able to show other teams. Yes, they're healthy. Yes, they can make the difference you're looking for in your organization. And we want this back as a trade asset, whether it be a draft pick or a prospect. I'm more for draft picks than I am existing prospects because Montreal's already. Got Got so many of them, I don't want to see them lose their position or opportunity in the organization to somebody else. On that note, thank you for tuning into episode 33. We'll be back before you know it. I'm your host, Stephen Stiles. Have a fantastic weekend.